on, come on in. Can you feel it? It's been months, weeks, days, hours, and now it's here. Golden contract final. And in case you haven't guessed, I'm absolutely buzzing. And here's what's coming. And just to add a little bit to the occasion, as I record and as we prepare and as we put all the pieces in place for the modus operandi. Who's calling? Who's adding to the storm only the hurricane himself, Dennis Hogan? Always in contact, he's always here, he's always in the minds and hearts of the Enswell Boxing listeners. Not only have we got the Hurricane Hogan, we've got Kilkenny, stalwart, undisputed, now taking on the might of Balahadreen, Ollie Toy. It's incredible, it's Golden Finals Day, and let's get it on. <laughs> uh, little bit excited, Al, little bit excited. Well, you know what? I've been watching and listening to the hype, and listening to the drama. And listen to a lot of it, which I genuinely don't know or believe if is real. But I'm feeling it, so you're seeing it. Incredible, incredible hype, incredible build-up. But in the height of all that, I want to just take a minute and remember my two pals, our two guests here on the previous episodes. Jazza, Ryan, their family, their loved ones, their teams, their coaches. Everything that's gone into their last, to their life for every minute of every day of their life for the last who knows how long in the build up and anticipation for what was to be their greatest night under the lights it's on hold it's on hold not going to focus on it not going to say those words we're not going to allow them into our psyche but what we're going to do is we're going to remember our two friends that gave time here who were so given of their time and of their story in the recent episodes I've reached out to both chatted with both and look They're upset, they're disappointed, they're a little bit down, but they're, as you would expect, from knowing what you know, because you've heard them here, right here. And I would say as well, if I want to be a little bit uh, braggadacious, or if I want to blow our own trumpet a little bit, I think we got more here on Enswell Boxing from these guys than anybody else. We're not begging for blood, we're not begging for no lead balloons, we're not begging for anything. We want to talk to the real fellas in the real environment about their real lives. And thank you, Jazza. Thank you, Ryan, for that. Thank you to the lads and Mike and to Liam, to Graham and to everybody around those two fellas. Keep them insulated, keep them isolated, keep them safe. Get them back up and we'll see them in December for what will undoubtedly be a fight of the year. You can quote me on that. And this mad old world that we're on, the real world and the not-so-real world and all the other worlds in between, it's been a week. It's been a week. We've got four episodes out here in seven days. It's something that uh, I wasn't sure of was going to happen. Maybe running a little bit close to the end, but there's a lot going on in the real world. There's a lot of people suffering a lot of things. Very, very close people, friends of mine, are in a place right now that most people could never imagine. You're in here. You're in my heart. You're in my thoughts. You're in my everyday. And we'll get this done. We'll watch the mighty Celt and see him over the line. Now let me catch my breath. Calm down and tell you what's really coming in this episode. <sighs> me gets a little excited sometimes, so me does. Coming up in the episode, we've got Eamon King Kane with his last few words, his last few notes and his observations, and a message for his old pal. I'll have an interview with both the fellas in the final, O'Hara Davis, Tyrone McKenna, 
I promised you Brucey bonus. We're going to get a Brucey bonus. We're going to hear from Roy Sheen, who has been the most popular episode of Ends Well Boxing from the jump. Incredible reaction to Roy. He's going to talk to me a little bit about the tournament, about everything that goes into it, and about his thoughts on it. And last but not least, we welcome back our old pal Stephen Morton from Boxing Tickets Northern Ireland. Again, to give us his insight and what he knows of a fella he's watched at very close quarters for the last couple of years. Modus operandi. There's a lot of people speculating a lot about the intensity of the rivalry and the beef, if you want to call it that, and whatever else. To be honest with you, I haven't put any thought into it, and I'm not going to. Am I convinced it's a massive beef? No. Am I convinced it's real? Um, yeah, I suppose. I suppose there's a real edge to it, and there will be when it comes to fight night. But I don't know. I don't know. I, I don't care. What I do know is that there's going to be a really, really, really intense fight of stages and phases that's going to ebb and flow and it's going to be a battle of wills it's going to be a case of who can get their game plan in post and how quick can they and in keeping with that theory and idea it's about staying calm it's about staying away from the flashpoints it's about not reacting it's about not getting embroiled in the quote-unquote beef so when I spoke to Eamon Kane, I remembered his famous flashpoints with Fitzy when they were in the prize fighter, which which erupted a couple of points in that fight, and he talks about it. Um, but what I asked him was, despite all the camp, despite all the preparation, despite the many, many hours and hours of drilling that Pete will have done with Tyrone, but do not get involved, do not rise to debate, do not answer, do not, just don't, stick to your boxing. And by OD, the same on their side. Does that conditioning, does all that training and all that work and mental preparation does that cut it out? Does it eliminate the possibility? Does it make them any less human than me or you than when someone walks down the street and says something to you? Being a fighter, it's even more so the game plan. There's more chance we're going out the window because it's nearly like whenever the, that, that wind up, that hole, that enticing each other, it's nearly like a test to your manhood in a way. And you tend to think, you know, your emotion, your heart gets, gets the best of you, like what it did with me and Anthony. And they're wrestling throughout the fight at one stage and swinging from swinging. Textbook boxing goes out, the, your boxing goes out the one that ended up in nearly like a glorified street fight because I was swinging, I was throwing my hooks from from the back of the hall, as you say. And I was telling them, well, and I'm, as I'm saying, I hope Tyrone doesn't get caught up on that. I hope, it, I hope, he's, I hope he's played that really well. He's wound up uh, O'Hara and uh, Davis and that he. He sticks to his boxing. You know, doesn't get caught up. No matter what goes on, whenever sneaky shots goes on, happen because every fight there's be an odd shot later, an odd shot mm-hmm. sneaky. So I hope he doesn't get caught up in an emotion where he then he, he likes to fight because Tron is he's got look at the size of him for God's sake. Nobody should get anywhere near him. When you get in front of your opponent for the first time and you've had your you've had your ten, twelve week camp, whatever the case may be, you've had everything in your mind for the last length of time has been about this fella and you see him in front of you. What, does it make any difference? Is it does it move the needle a little bit? Well, there's two there's two people. It depends how what sort of mood you're in at that time. Yeah. You know, the if you make them wait, if they wait, and they're going to be chomping and chomping at the bat, sort of. The, you you're going to be that that temper is going to be sort of tipped to the age where you're ready to flip. Um, if anything happens at the way, and I could sort of send you into the fight, yes, come fight time, you'll have a bit of food, and not be a temper, not be as bad. But from what happened at the way, I'll definitely and, and send them a wee bit more. So it'll be interesting to see how they, they both trans, you know, how the way in goes and how that all the boots transpire. But um, I think there's been quite a bit of needle 
I think they're they're both. You know, it'll be hard to control your emotion, not let your 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 heart rule your head. So if he can, the best the winner might be the person that controls his head the best and controls his emotion the best. But it'll be very hard to do. Um, for me, against as I said, we were quite. There's a bit of needle between me and Anthony Fitzgerald, and the, and the fight then it sort of boiled over. Um, I didn't obviously control my emotion well enough, but it, it, it sort of you carried away. I should have, you know, I should have stuck to my boxing and outbox Anthony on the night, um, but I didn't. It made it a close fight and it was a split decision. Um, so I hope Theron doesn't get six. As I said, I, I can't say it enough. If I, if some, if I was to ring him up now and tell him a bit of advice, listen to Pete, do exactly yes. what Pete said. You know, don't. There's going to be a whole, you know, prepare yourself. There's going to be a whole pushing and camaraderie. You can play the act and the way in, but don't let that transfer into fight. You're going to be cool and calculated come fight time, and you're going to have to perform to a certain, to this, to their game plan. We're going to do this whenever this happens. We're going to do this whenever that happens. So, and he's going to do this and be prepared for it. You know, don't let it you get away from your focus. Don't let you know. Don't lose the game plan. Don't lose the train of thought. I couldn't. I couldn't say that enough to him because, as I said, you know, with the size of Tyrone and with his ability, he has the ability to outbox Sahara Davis. Um, but as I said, I know Tyrone well, and I know him for years. And I think you know he he he, li- he li- likes to fight too much, and that uh, definitely the emotion of the. The Hardy Davis could definitely spill over. I hope he doesn't get caught into a fight because then I'll play right into Hardy. Did you find when you won the prize fighter, not necessarily in terms of of prestige or anything else, but it put you in the shop window straight away, didn't it? it put you up on that top of that platform immediately. Yeah, well, for me, I, I turned pro. So it was, it was twenty eight when I won the Commonwealth Games. Went to the World Series, got drafted into the World Series of Boxing. Wasn't planning to go into it. Planning to turn pro. So I was twenty nine whenever I turned. I had my first fight. So. I needed to get jump onto that platform, into that. I, you know, I was at the 28, 29 is where you want to be in the title stages. So I used price, I, you know, price fighter come up, it was offered that I want to go into it. And I thought, this is perfect for me. This gets me right into the title stages that I want to be in. Because I knew I was tough enough and ready enough for doing later rounds. And I didn't need to be built, built up slowly. I needed to be thrown in there deep. So it suited me perfect. Thrones now at his stage of his career where he's. Had a few fights, and you say it seems like as if he's, he's not that old, but it seems like as if he's been around forever. Yeah. Um, so this is a great competition. They throw him into you know putting him in the good fights he wants to. There's no trying to get him like ten Mickey Mouse fights before he fights somebody sort of half decent, and then that to try and put him. This is three tough fights he's been putting him into a draw. You don't get to pick who you want to fight. You're, you if they fight who you're drawn against, and uh, the winner takes all sort of thing. The winner takes all accolades. So. Um, he's done definitely done very well. Uh, he's got the final now. He's got to go one step further and, and won the competition. As you say, there's great, there's a good money for one of it, but there's also a great the golden contract. It's really, it's really good for putting you into the the title stage windows and the, the decent money paydays. The last thing, a word for your old your old uh, Northern Ireland high performance squad mate. Have you uh, any words of advice or words of anything to say to him before? In case he, he probably won't hear, he probably won't get to listen, but he will afterwards. <laughs> anything you want to say to him? Listen, I wish him all the best of luck. Um, I hope that he boxes the years of higher Davis because he's got totally got that ability. Uh, and I hope if it gets to a fight, because there'll be points in the fight where he has to stand and fight, I hope he punches the head of him <laughs> um, because, because he can do it. 
Uh, I, I don't have any ill will against Sahar Davis, but I just, I, I'm a mate of, of Tyrone. I'm, I'm in his corner, so uh, I really hope he does it. I wish him all the best, and I hope, you know, I organised a, a, a night's party and one night back in the high performance days where we all came together and came down to my house because I, I hope that he organises a party and he, after he wins this and he invites me to it and we all have a good night's crack and we'll get you up as well all too. That party would be one epic party because we've heard about the man cave, we've seen the outfits, we've seen the belts, we've seen the fellas celebrate in style and um, it'll happen one day, I don't doubt that for a second but right now our focus is on getting the win and getting that belt back home here in Ireland and in Belfast of course for Tyrone. They're the little insights that you get that no matter how much training, no matter how much preparation, no matter how many times Paddy Fitzpatrick or Pete Taylor or whoever is in the corner of when there's a beef and when it gets thrown down and when there's a taste of blood and the crowd are going on around and everything else is going on the where they're swirling they're just the same as you and I they put their trousers on one leg at a time and they will find seven ways till Sunday to beat seven colours of shit out of one another I always say Paddy Fitzpatrick refers to Eamon as the wide-eyed warrior he said that a special sort of a glint came into his eye on sparring days and uh, <laughs> something about us Irish there's an awful lot of stuff we're not good at. There's an awful lot of things we just don't do well. But I tell you one thing, when it comes to when it comes to prize fighting and top level prize fighting, these fellas are on a very special curve. They're in a very, very special bracket all on their own, as are many of the fellas that they are hanging around with and are currently making history with. So I'm gonna talk now to another fella who of course was a teammate of Heyman's. He was a teammate of Tyrone's at one stage. He made his own path. He won his own titles. He, of course, went on then to the pro ranks, made his debut, and he won the last man standing competition in dramatic fashion. Emotional scenes that night. There was fantastic scenes that night. And it's been the highest downloaded episode I've had so far with my guest, one of Atai's favourite sons, Roy Sheen. Tyrone McKenna is uh, something similar to myself. He's a... Uh... He's a joker. He's a, you know, he's a, always happy, laughing, joking. He's a bit mad of a madman, if you ask me. And he's a great character. And I tell you the truth, I hope he, I hope he beats O'Hara Davis because it's an, most one of the most anticipated fights coming up, I think. But I know O'Hara, O'Hara Davis. He's very, he's very confident in that. But I think Tyrone's going to give him a shock and on the night. Really do. I think I think you're right. I do think you're right. And having spoken to all of them, I do I do think it, the, the key to it, and, and the King Kane himself says, and other of your old partners, that yourself and McKenna drove him mental over the years. It's a, he, he, he laughs it off and he doesn't say too much, but he did no, say he did in, say he's got a couple of clatters off him over the years. And King Kane were in some places and some laughs <laughs> and some stories that can't be told. You know, we'll, we'll keep those for the book, Roy. We'll keep those for the book. Yeah, definitely, because I don't know I'm getting in trouble. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, no he said that the key to it is to keep calm st- keep to the plan and fight the way he can fight and I think if that happens we will see a, a positive outcome but from just I suppose to give listeners an idea Roy uh, the tournament boxing in professional game it's 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 unusual because usually it's a lot of um, fight, fighters to start off they're on a path they have to get a few wins then they get into contention to get their eliminator to get their title fight this idea of a tournament format of course you you probably broke into the pro game with that with the last man standing um how much of a how much of a boost is it the whole build up to it the whole concept of it and from a oh, fighter's point of view 
for me, the build-up was just absolutely brilliant. I was asked to do it before Christmas in 2017, but I said, ah, no way, you know. I, so I wasn't boxing for, I never won my last All-Ireland Senior 81 kilo in 2015. And I left the high performance and that, and I went back, I went walking and that. But then I was approached by um, Kaz, Kaz Evans and that before Christmas and, I, I always was chatting to Stephen O'Rourke because um, Tony Tony Brown was come down and sparring the club, and I just I I felt comfortable around Tony and Stephen and that. So I said after Christmas, then I was training. I was doing a little bit of training. I was in the back of my head, will I do this? Will I do that? And then my brother said to me, he kept on to me and on to me. My brother said to me, he said, right, if you do that, I'll box in the seniors. You know, after so he boxed in the seniors the year after. But but the training, I left work. Um, I left work, I left Kendra for, I think it was eight, eight and a half weeks. I had to have one pro fight in England to enter the competition. So I had that fight in York Hall. And then for them eight weeks, I never put in more training. See, I was an amateur for the Worlds or Europeans. This time, I said, I told everyone in my family, that I said, I'm going into this. I said, I don't care who's in it, I'm going to win it. And for them eight weeks, I was training six, six days a week. Even even uh, six days a week, and on the Sunday I was supposed to have a rest day. I was going for an, uh, just a job, you know. I started eating healthy. I never had a good um, regime, you know, with my food, training, everything went perfect for them eight weeks. But in the in the gym in O'Rourke's gym, I had different sparring partners coming in the whole time, and the training up there was brilliant. And Stephen O'Rourke changed sort of my style from he changed my style and learned me how to box a bit. I know it's only a three minute. Three three minute rounds in the last man standing, but it's still three 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 fights is nine is nine rounds in the night. But and you have a little break in in, the, in between them fights, but it's very very tough because you don't know all the different styles you have to train. So you just have to really train for your own ability and what works best for you. And then on the night, and it's, it's just brilliant. And whoever wins this between Tyrone McKenna and O'Hara Davis, like big big opportunity and big money fights after this. Yeah, and would you say, Roy, as well, that it, it what it does is, for, for fellas that have come through, any whether you were in the elite system in Ireland, whether you are in the uh, Team GB in the UK or wherever, that this tournament setup would be a lot more familiar for those lads because it's what you're all about, isn't it? It's travelling away, weighing in on the day, getting ready. You don't really know who you're going to fight. I know the prize fighter system and the, the last man standing was a little bit different, but it's the same concept, really. So it's it's it would it would that experience from from Tyrone and from yourself in the past and gaming and the likes that would have helped you a big way. Oh, definitely because three three minute rounds like we were in the best and best like uh, boxing the Europeans worlds all over the world we're European champions world champions Olympic medalists you know. And all them people, like I've boxed like Olympic medalists, world medalists, Olympic medalists, and I've beat, beat like all them medalists, do you know what I mean? So on the night, I just, um, I wouldn't say it's a great advantage, but, you know, it, it helps a lot. Because these lads in the programme, for me and Eamon, when we're doing the three treatment rounds, these lads in the programme learn to sit back and, and hold for eight rounds, ten rounds, five, so... I was just always used to three rounds, so I just think it worked out for me on the night. I said I can hold my own with anyone my way mm. for three rounds, definitely. And a lot of the fights... See, were- yes, but in the golden contract, there are ten-round fights, you know. it's. I know when they say... I think it's like it's it's up another level, if you know what I mean. Yeah. These are like European world level, you know, and they're ten-round fights. I know in ten-round fights get there, you know. 
if I give him a one of them lads for a three three minute round fight, I give them a lot of trouble. Yeah. Ten rounds in, you know, I haven't been really tested. But. And a lot of the time, Roy, as well, I think you'll be the first. You'll be, it, it, a lot of people, it's widely con- renowned, it's widely known that a lot of the time the fights are won before they get in the ring. The fights, the work is done, the prep is done, and the mental side of it is done, and that you've got it all. So it's a matter then of, it's not as easy, but for it's it's part of that process of adapting into the programme, is pulling all those strings together and getting it then to, yes, to perform. Well, it, it, it comes down to everything. It comes to what way you live, uh, like where you train, your, like your family... Your everything, everything around you, your food. It's it's not an easy, it's not an easy trade to have as a boxer. People always think like, do you know what I mean? They get in and fight, and some people don't perform on the night, but they don't forget all them weeks they're sacrificing away from their family and all that. So it's it's very 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 tough as a, as be to be a boxer. People only see the good side when yeah. they're there and and they're. People think they're getting loads of money, but sure, them lads aren't fighting, they're not getting paid. You know, it's very, very hard. And I think very, very hard would be what they do just to, just to get themselves to the table. From there then, I think it goes to levels that normal human beings and everyday civilian street have no idea. They've no clue. So, always great to chat with Roy. It's always brilliant to speak with Eamon. It's always brilliant, I believe, and it's a big part of my strategy and plan. You like that word? <laughs> strategy. I heard that in another conversation this week. Boxing orientated as well. But it's a big part of my plan and a big part of the blueprint is to bring these voices from the from boxing, Irish boxing history and Irish boxing greatness and bring them back along and every now and then, even if it's only for a five or ten minutes chat. It's to listen to their experiences and to see it from first hand. Witness the experiences that those guys had and let them describe it. Because there's not many, if any scenarios or situations, as Tyrone and the lads would like to say, that they haven't already been seen in. Now, the villain of the party, and I say this with love, I say this from a, a respectful point of view, it's O'Hara Davis. And I'll be honest, I wasn't sure at the outset whether I was going to be able to get in touch with him. I think I explained that uh, a conversation with Jamie Conlon, who was our guest, of course, on the previous episode, did got me the contact for OD, and I spoke to him, and I wasn't sure how it was going to be received. I think you're going to be surprised. He's an in- he's a warm, he's an intriguing character with many, many different layers, but he was very, he was very chatty, he was very receiving, and he was friendly, and I've enjoyed it, really enjoyed it, and I think I give him a listen. Doesn't mean you're going to have to support him on, on Wednesday night. I think it's obvious and fair to say that any of us whose blood flows green and whose heart beats green, we're all going to support our boy. And he wouldn't expect any less. He's a London boy. He's 21-2. and two. He's had two losses, of course. Jack Catterall, Josh Taylor. When you look at those two fellas and what they've done and what they're about to do still, his nickname is Two Thanks. As I said, he grew up initially on the streets of London and he's had to pretty much fight from that from that till then uh, he plays the role, plays the part of many different sort of characters and whatever else but I, you're going to see here in a few minutes he, he's very much uh, down to earth and grounded and, and, and speaking quite openly so I'm not trying to change anybody's mind I'm not trying to force anybody's opinions and let you see how well, Harry Davis was with me when I spoke to him on Friday evening a new part of your new team a London legend what a, what a fella in Kevin Mitchell how did that come about? Um, well, me being with Kevin Mitchell and under Will Jones, at first it was literally only me and Will Jones and then him and Kevin Mitchell are both good friends. So they both met up and like, they had a talk and then 
they both and, I, and then they both decided and had to work as a team. So then that's when Kevin came on board. Um, but it's really good having and to have him on board because of all of that experience that he's got. And obviously Kevin Mitchell being there with me back when I was at, at the Simsy gym, I feel like that's when I was at my best. And I feel like he knows what it takes to get the best out of me. So with him and Bill Jones working as a team, um, I feel like we're now unbeatable. So I just got to prove it now next week, Wednesday. And and just for the record, we're, we're recording here now, as I said, uh, um, of course we're an Irish podcast, of course our boy is fighting you in the final, but what, what, we're, what we're getting in the final as well is the two very best domestic fighters, at, at, at least domestic at this level, and it is then an incredible platform given to you guys by MTK. To, to push on yeah. from there, uh, that that's all you, that's all any fighter can ask for, really, isn't it? That platform to show their best they are. Yeah, um, it's a massive platform, you know. Fighting on Sky Sports in the final of the Golden Contract, MTK's done great, and like to get us this far and, and to get us to this point. And I feel like MTK's done a good thing to get this show onto Sky Sports. Uh, MTK are the best in the business by far, and I'm thankful that I'm here. But at the same time. I'm thankful, but I'm not satisfied. I'm coming through it all. I'm not. I'm not. I'm not just really going to sit down and say I'm thankful. I'm thankful. No, I am thankful, but I'm not happy. I'm not satisfied. And I'm coming for more. I want more opportunities. I want a bigger platform. I want bigger paydays, and I want more titles. And Jazza, Jazza said something similar to me last week when I spoke to him. Um, do I call you O'Hara or O.D.? What's, what suits you best? It's all the one, is it? You can call me O'Hara. You can call me O.D. O'Hara. Um, we, we, I like O'Hara. It has an Irish feel to it as well, so we'll go with that for the time. But um, Jazza... I actually have an Irish name. I actually have an Irish name, isn't it? It is so really Irish, Irish yeah. Name. It is indeed, actually, very Irish. And um, But Jazza said it to me last week. He said... I, I said the same time. I said, congratulations first on the sensational performance in... And, what probably the fight of the tournament so far himself and Lee but he said thanks but he said he doesn't want to think about it too much because he doesn't want it to be his best performance so it's similar to what you were saying there you've had good performances you've had consistency but now you, you want the next one to be your next step and the next and, and not just the next one then the one after that from there on exactly exactly that's what it's all about I'm not here just to take part but I'm here to take over and Tyler McKenna is just going to be a new start of my second of the second half of my boxing career, and it's been um, up to now. I guess it's been. It must be. It's very. Uh, must be fulfilling. It must be very satisfying. It must be. It must. It, when you're driving along, thinking about it, getting yourself ready, and getting the frame, it has to bring a little smile to think all the detractors, everything that was said, everything that was done. I'm back. I'm back on Sky. I'm back on. I'm back on primetime TV. I'm in a final. I've got the eyes of the world on me. No matter what anyone tried to do or say or whatever mistakes, whatever happened. That must be very rewarding and, and, and sweet. To be honest, in my mind, it's not. I feel like I'm not thankful enough sometimes. I feel like I need to be thankful of what I've achieved and of what I've done, especially where I come from. Uh, a lot of people thought that I wasn't going to get anywhere in life. So I know that I need to be thankful. I need to be proud. I need to be happy of myself. But I, and, and the only goal I've got is to knock out this guy. Next week, Wednesday, Tyra McKenna is going to get knocked out and only then am I going to be happy. Only then am I going to be satisfied. But as of now, I look back at and like I look back at what I've done and I feel like that's the past. That's the past. Yeah. It's all past. So I don't, I, don't, I don't feel proud of myself. I'm not happy with myself unless I achieve something in the future. 
Yeah. Well, and and just just to look a little bit at that past, I suppose boxing as it's done for so many children and people all over the world, millions and millions, countless people over the years, it did the same for O'Hara Davis as it's done. Everywhere. It opened the doors. It took took you in as a kid, who was probably yeah. you're on record as saying you don't really know where you would have ended up, but it, it probably wasn't going to be a good place. It, it's it plays a huge part in society. It plays. Where do you think, as I said, if if you were to be, if you were to think about it for a second, where where would you be now if you hadn't wandered into the gym and you hadn't committed yourself to the time and little by little and 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 from there, where do you think it would have ended? Um, if I was in boxing, I'd probably, I'd probably be dead or I'd be in jail. Um, because obviously, you know, I got into boxing when I was like 17, 18 years old. But from the age of 16 years old, I was on bail for class A drugs and for attempted murder. Um, I was trying to get done for. And, um, you know, I was in and out of court cases after court cases. And I was really on a bad road. So, um, so obviously, um, I would have ended up in jail or Jeez, probably yeah. ended up dead. So I wasn't on the right path. So, Boxing saved me from that lifestyle, so, so um, I'm glad that I'm not living that lifestyle anymore. Yeah, and 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 the the London that you grew up in, Howard, the the area that you grew, you grew up in Hackney, you travelled around, you were around the boroughs. Which for for Irish, excuse me, for Irish listeners that aren't familiar, the boroughs a borough would be dissimilar to what we have here in Ireland as a county. It's it's a it's a it's an area, a postcode inside London, and there's yeah, it's, it's a again, it's hard for people to imagine who who don't know or haven't seen London is just. A sprawling map. It's it's giant. It's it's so big. It's like a little country of its own. So exactly. you in that in that ten, but has it changed the same as the rest of the world, or is it just the same struggles for young kids and young guys growing up in in the um in the flats and growing up in the areas like that? There's just a different set of struggles today, is it? It's exactly. It's exactly. It's all true. I feel like everyone else is all in the same path that I was on right now. Um, I look at other people. I look at other people coming up, and I feel like. They're living the, like the same life that I live, and they haven't got opportunities in those like in those certain areas. Um, I'm just someone I just happened to get into boxing from doing it in a certain youth club. But imagine, but I feel like just imagine if they had had this everywhere, if they had boxing everywhere, it wouldn't just like it wouldn't just be me. It'll be another ten other kids from yeah. the hood that will also be in boxing. But nah, those kids are in jail now. Why? Because they because they because they haven't got all of the opportunities that I got. And they haven't found something that they love, so therefore, going to drugs, going to gang violence, they end up on the wrong path. So I feel like in a whole, I feel like they need a bit more opportunities um, in certain areas. And and it's it's so special to see the likes of yourself, your good pal, your good pals with Anthony Yard, Ay, as they call him, and, and and the likes of Dillian, people like that. You you represent an awful lot more than it's easy. It's very easy at times for people to just see. But when you look a little bit past it, you represent a whole lot more than just a professional boxer who's who's at the top of his game, don't you? You mean a lot more to those. It's something for those. If one in every, if one in every handful of those teenagers growing up see what you guys have done and we're able, we're on that same path, it, it gives them a little bit of hope, doesn't it? Exactly, exactly. I think it sure does. I look at people like me, Anthony Yardy, and my. We all come from that same kind of background in the same kind of areas. So um, I feel like I feel like. I feel like all the youth coming up look at us and they see us as, as like a ray of light or like a ray of hope because obviously they see me and they're like, well, if he could do it, I could do it too. Or do you look at Dillian White and Anthony Yard and they think, if they could do it, I could do it too. And then that's what gives them hope. So I, thought, so I feel glad, I feel privileged that I can be that hope to the youth up and coming. But also what I'd like, 
to do one day, a bit after my boxing career is done, I would like to go back into the youth clubs and I like and I and I like to help help and I like to help those uh, those kids up and coming, the kids that haven't got opportunities, the kids that feel lost, the kids that aren't really good at school, you know, they can't do math, English, and science, and they're kind of lost. I like to go into the youth clubs and I like to help them get into something that they love. Um, it could be boxing, it could be basketball, it could be snooker, it could be football, it could be anything. Um, but I just feel like I would like to give them a chance to and like to find their hope and their dream and to find something that they love. So just me being that ray of hope isn't enough. I need to act on that. I feel like I need to act on it. But obviously I can't do it now because I'm still boxing, I'm in camp, I'm so busy. But that's definitely something that I'll be thinking about. Yeah, it, that's it's something I see, um, see, and that's, it's admirable as well, and big respect to you for that. That's something you see uh, Kevin Hart's doing a lot of recently as well. He's gone back to the areas he's come from, and, he, and he's trying to represent, because the fear in, 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 in that part of America and that part of the world is of banks and of, of banking institutions, and people don't want to listen to the big banks when they come to speak to them. So to get him to yeah. represent and, and explain, it's it's, it's very, and, and, they, and that's a good point, because, look, rightly or wrongly, there's a fear, there's a... There, Somebody, if kids of that age, they'll see someone coming in from the outside. They're going to suspect and they're going to wonder what's going on when they see one of their very own who has come from the same streets, done the same thing, fallen down the same fall, but then survived, got back up, and and is able to show them the ropes. It, it'll be something special, you know. So that's that's going to keep exactly. you busy, my friend. That's going to keep you extremely busy in the future. Yeah, exactly. So yeah, like, so yeah, so that's what I hope to do one day after my boxing is over. Um, the other thing I was looking at as well, and this is not this is not to be in any way disrespectful. I'm just looking at your your record is widely known. Some some people might some people might know, but you didn't have a massive amateur pedigree. You you boxed at amateur, but I can't help thinking, and this is this is a this is a I would say a shot in the dark that your style now, if it was anything like that as an amateur, you were absolutely not meant to be an amateur boxer. You were meant to put in a pro ring. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, I think so. Um, as an amateur, I had I had only 18 fights as an amateur. Um, obviously, I couldn't afford it. Um, as I got into boxing, I quit selling drugs. And my family wasn't rich either, so they helped me as they could. But my family wasn't rich, so it was quite limited what they could do. Um, so I couldn't afford being amateur no more because I, I couldn't afford getting to and from the gym, paying all the gym fees, um, getting a train ticket. Um, it was really hard to, I like, to afford, so... I had to turn for early, but if it was up to me, I would have stayed amateur for another two or three years just to get that experience, just to get a few more fights under my belt. And, and I feel like I would have made a much better pro being a lot more experienced, but I've got to work with what I've got. So yeah. um, I had to turn pro after 80 fights. There was a lot of controversy. There was a lot of chaos. There was a lot of, if I'm being honest with you, I think a lot of the stuff at the times with yourself, it was because you were out there. You were easy, You were a target. There was... You'd say something or you do something. It wasn't always the worst thing in the world. Some sometimes with those mistakes and that learning and all that stuff, because there was that uh, limited exposure in the amateur where you didn't have everything that goes with it. Do you think that might have fed into a little bit of? of it took that time in your early career to settle down. The first three, four, five years to settle down. Exactly. I think it was. Uh, I'm glad that I signed to Eddie Home quite early because I got a few. If because I got it's like a few easy fights, a few learning fights just to get used to the ring and, and the crowds and to fight in front of fans. But then again, I still feel like I did need a bit more experience. Uh, but I look at some of the fights that I had quite early on in my boxing career, 
I fought Scarpar for the WBC silver after I think I had 13 fights. Then I fought Derry Matthews, and then I fought Taylor. Taylor fought in like the World Games and the Commonwealth Games, and, and he had all of this experience as an amateur. And and even though I was a bit more experienced than him as a pro, he was more experienced than me overall because of what he'd done as an yep. amateur. Yep. Um, and that and that I feel like in that fight, experience definitely showed because because that was I like my I like my I like my hardest fight ever. Um, as an amateur, only having 18 fights, and I never fought anyone really good. I never had any really hard fights in the pros. I didn't have any hard fights. So then I fought Taylor, and then I was in a hard fight, and I didn't really know how to handle being in a hard mm. fight, how to handle being uncomfortable in a ring. So, um, you know, experience in that fight definitely showed. Um, also, being a bit inexperienced outside the ring, um, you know, you know, you know, it's like I sometimes sit down, I look at some of the things I've said, some of the ways that I've been acting as a pro, um, and I feel like I wasn't experienced outside the ring either. So I feel like I've been inexperienced both in and out of the ring. So I've had to learn on the job. Up until last night when I watched it, and, and I just want to listen, recommend to the listener, who, people who have listened to this interview, is if you get a little chance, pop, have a look at the O'Hara's explanation. And it's not excuses. It's not anything. It's if you sit and listen to it and, and don't make up your mind till you watch it, you'll understand. You'll see the chap sitting in front of you. You'll see him telling his story. It's a side of the story that didn't get told when the stuff was going down. The differences with managers, the difference with the extent that management will go to at times to cause it, to create a fight. And when it doesn't work out the way we all think and hope it does, it's it's left on the fighter's lap. And that was left very much a case of you just literally exactly. sitting there with, with, with a whole shitstorm going on around you. Um, exactly. Now that you brought up, I, I wanted to ask you two things. The first one was um, matchroom. How did that come about, Ahara? Was that something that um, was... How did you come... With the limited experience at the amateur, usually yeah. usually the easy route for for a, a promoter or anyone like that is to go to look at the the most colourful guys, the decorated guys at the team GB, yeah. and they'll handpick them. For you, how did that come about? Um, well, my first and second fight, I fought on a few. Um, I fought them on a few small hole shows. You know, my first and second and my, and my second fight. Um, but then my good friend James Argent, um, he's on the only way to Essex. Um, through him, after me and my coach at that time ended, um, I then got, I then, uh, I then got put through to Tony Sims through my friend James Argent. So after I joined Sims's camp, then Sims, obviously him and Eddie Hearn are quite good friends. So it was, it was, it was through Sims that I got signed to Eddie Hearn. So it was all thanks to my friend James Argent for bringing me to Sims, and that's when my boxing career really took oh, off. Okay, there you go. So we can literally someday help to see O'Hara Davis on either Love Island or Anyways Essex or one version of those. <laughs> <laughs> one day, one day hopefully. Got to keep doing what you're doing right now though because you're, you, it feels right now you're on a crescendo. It feels like you're on a, on the crest of the wave. It, it, like, it feels a little bit like all the pieces are coming together for you at the right time. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. You're talking exactly. about, and, and, and you mentioned there about, again, no disrespect, but you mentioned the, the uh, Josh Taylor fight. Everybody knows what went yeah. on. Everyone knows there was a lot of needle in that. Two guys who did a lot of needling at each other. I spoke to Stephen Ormond two weeks ago who had a very similar build-up with Terry Flanagan in his, and in his fight with Terry Flanagan, you'll remember, he, he literally, as he told me, he lost his head. He literally just, it, everything just got the better of him. Is that, does that show people O'Hara that it can happen that you guys even though you're professional even though you have all this everything going on around, sometimes sometimes the human thing just comes out 
Exactly, exactly, of course. But I feel like in that fight, I thought, uh, I, feel, I feel like in that fight, I thought Taylor, I wasn't ready for a hard fight. Mm. I feel like I wasn't mentally ready. I wasn't physically ready either for that camp. I wasn't focused for the camp because, you know, during that camp, I feel like I was born to win. I feel like I've been destined to win, being unbeaten as an amateur and then being unbeaten as a pro. I thought today Matthews on a big stage. Um, I thought I felt like I, I felt like I couldn't lose. I felt like it was yeah. impossible for me to get beat. So on that camp, I didn't focus as much as I should have. Instead of instead of going home after gym, resting, I'd be out with girls in different restaurants, in different hotels, and I just on that fight I wouldn't focus. And and then how the fight ended showed me that not only that I can be beat. But that I need to focus. I need to. I need to train properly, and I can assure you that that will never happen again. And if that does happen, it won't be me doing it. It'll be my opponent doing it. Because because I feel like as long as I work hard, I can't be beat. And you, you've had a lot of. You've had beefs. You've had rivalries. You've had. And, and we come to the one that's coming up in a little few minutes. But the one, I suppose, is it fair to say? And and again, I'm not going into specifics or anything else. But with all with beefs and with all the different rivalries. They get settled. As far as you're concerned, they're done when the fight's over. Or um, or do some of them? Do some of them? Is are some of them just a case of listen? We don't like each other. We're never going to like each other. So we're just going to go our own directions. With some of them, I feel like I feel like we're never going to like each other. But if I see you out in the streets or in person, I'll shake your hands. I'll say cool. I'll say I hope you're doing well. But we. But I feel like we're always going to have that thing in our hearts for each other where that dislike isn't there. And that rivalry is never really going to be settled. So who knows what net one day in the future? All the good pros, all the real, cha- all the top champs in the world have always gone to got that one back. So who knows what's going to come down the line in the future? I'm not going to do the clickbait thing. I'm not going to look for the. But you just don't know in this game, do we? I feel like you don't know in this game. But obviously, I can't focus on that rematch. I need to focus yeah. on trying yeah. to get to where one hundred percent he is now because he's because he's obviously world champion right now pound for pound one of the best in the world so I need to win this next fight and my next fight and my next fight after that before I even think about getting that fight but but that's definitely in my mind and, and, and I do feel like I do feel like one day in the future as long as I get where I'm meant to get to the fight will happen again look at Manny Pacquiao five six losses look at these fellas they keep coming back AJ recently Dillian Come, take that loss take it face it own it and come back stronger than ever. And I think that's what you guys are representing to this current generation. Um, I feel like it's a lot harder to come back if you lose on a lower level. If you if you lose on if you lose on let's say British level, European level, Commonwealth level, then to come back isn't hard isn't hard at all. But if you're getting beat by someone that shouldn't really beat you, then it'll be a lot harder I like to come back. But for like if you get beat on like a decent level It'd be fairly easy for you to come back. And you know, Pacquiao's a prime example. No, no, Alvarez, a prime example. He fought Floyd, he got beat. But yeah, but obviously, this guy got beat by the best ever boxer of our generation. So, like, he can come back. So, so obviously, in his case, it was a lot easier for him to come back. But if you lost on like a really lower level, coming back would be a lot harder. Yeah, but it yeah. can still be done. And you know what? Many people mightn't realise either O'Hara as well. And, and I, hand on heart, it's as I said the same to Jazza, it's when, when I'm researching and when you're looking at something as a fan, it's a total different pro- perspective as to what I look at right now. So I look back at your career now 
and I looked at your fights, even with all that shitstorm that was going on around you, the chaos with the with the rivalries, with the beefs, with some with everything, and those 17, 16, 17 of your first fights were all on massive TV shows. They were all on. They weren't just on shows. They were on. Some of them were pay-per-view shows, but they were all on primetime TV. And it appeared at that stage, looking at it now, that must that could have fed a little bit in. Was there a pressure to maybe play up to that? Was there a pressure to, listen, i got to try and keep myself in this place? Is that- it wasn't pressure, I don't think. In my case, it was more It was more the whole lifestyle, because I've been poor. Yeah. My whole life I've been poor, but once I started to get signed and I started to, I like to get big fights and I'm being live on the TV, I got a bit of money. And I'm now out there spending it. I'm now getting attention from girls, which I've never got in my life. So just me, so just me trying to handle that. And I feel like I didn't handle it the right way, but it's all maturity. As you get older, you learn, mm. you learn how things work, you learn how things run, and you learn how to act. And I feel like I've learned in time. And this move to Frank Warren, subsequent move to your management team, now MTK, it's... It feels like, I don't know what way to, I guess again, looking in from the outside, and, and correct me if I'm wrong on this, it feels like you've always come across, you're speaking to me now on a one-to-one with the height of respect. To me, it feels like when there's a line crossed, if you're disrespecting you, if you feel like you're going to make a slight, if you're going to make you try to make a fool out of you, try to say something or take, a, take liberties. I, I don't know if that what the one word is, but it feels like that's when the switch goes and the, the defence mechanism comes in. But right now it feels like things are going things are things are going in the right direction. You've got a good handle on everything and it feels like now you're allowed to settle down and focus on what you do best. Is that right? Is that fair to say? Exactly, exactly. Of course it is. I feel like I've actually grown as a person and the management teams that I'm with now are not trying to get me I like to sell fights and I like I like they're not trying to get me I like to be arrogant. But obviously in this old team that I was with and that manager I was with, you know, it was more like, okay, OD, I've got to sell this fight, so I need I need you out there talking trash, trying to sell this fight so that we can get paid more and you can be a much bigger name, blah, blah, blah. So I felt I felt a bit pressured to act in a way that isn't me. I felt, but obviously, I quite, but obviously with me as a soldier, I do what I get told. And that's why I, I did act the way that I act. I was really rude. And I was really disrespectful because that's the way I, w- I got told to act because I thought that that's what's going to sell fights. And that's what I thought was actually right. But then I came to MTK and MTK and Frank Warren was just like, be yourself. If it sells, it sells. If it doesn't sell, who cares? Be yourself and be happy. As long as you win your fights and let your fist talk, that's the main thing. So ever since then, I, I, just, I just thought, well, you know what? I'm, you know what? I'm going to be me. I'm just going to do what I do best. And I've never been happier. And this one had the potential. If we're being honest, we're coming to the rivalry now, and and I didn't want the whole interview. I wanted. I, I'm trying to give fans, listeners, a vision, a vision inside all the stuff that you'll hear and see all the usual crap. You guys are well capable of looking after each other, looking after yourselves. No doubt about it. Tyrone, I've spoken to a couple of times. You, I've seen you in action. I know how you run. I know how you conduct yourself. This rivalry has the potential, and it has had to be everything bigger. And, but then credit to the Perry, you've you've held all that. You've you've managed it. You've controlled it. It's, I think we're in for something special on Wednesday night, aren't we? I think so. And I'm just going to let my fist do all the talking and he will also do the same. And, and I like to be known for having good fights now, not for being arrogant and not for being, you know, you know, you know, 
I like, so not for being disrespectful and being rude. I want to let my fist do the talking now. I think this is. I think. I think this fight is the second biggest fight of my boxing career. I feel like. I, I feel like. I fought Taylor, and yeah. that's the biggest fight of my boxing career. This one, it's not far behind. This one, it's not far behind. But this one is just. But, but this one here is just. Is like the second biggest fight of my boxing career. I look back at all the mistakes that I made on my on, on the first fight that I lost. I look at all of those mistakes that I made, and I made sure. That on this camp, I haven't made any of those mistakes. I've left no stone unturned. There's only one thing left to do, and that's to win. And that's to win. And my knockout. So the second biggest fight of your career in terms of rivalries. Where did this rivalry come, and when did it start, and how far back does it go? It came back from Tyrone McKenna calling me out online all those years ago. I had never heard of this guy. I didn't know who he was. You know, this is before he won any big fights, before he even had the name. Um, he'd been online calling me out for ages, but I never responded to him because I always thought that this guy is not on my level. There are certain levels to this game, and this guy is not there. So I just literally didn't respond to him. But now I'm in the go- I'm but, I'm like, but now I've got no choice but to fight him. I'm in the final, and he's also there. So I feel like he has kind of proved him himself as a contender. And now that he's actually proved himself, I can't avoid him. I've been cornered. I've got to fight him. So this rivalry it goes way back. This is you know from you know from his antics that he's been like that he's been saying online. But now he's got a taste of so now like he's gonna get a taste of of his own medicine when he gets knocked out. And it, it's 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 a it's a fascinating one. And and you know what it is. I'm, I, I can't have wonder when, when you get into the closed environment of the bubble and you get everything that's going on and, and, and there's not as much freedom and his room as there has been in the past where guys can go. Is there a danger of this spilling over before uh, it gets to the ring or will you guys be able to contain it between between now and then? I don't know about him, but I've got no but I don't know about him, but I've got no hatred towards him. I just want his belt. I, I like just want that, his belt. I, like I want his title. Respect you for that man. You know, at the end of the day it's his business. I'm sure that's what he wants as well. I've seen him online. He seems like a. He seems like like it's like it's like he seems as if he's a nice guy. He's like a real family man. He's got good friends, and I've got nothing against the guy. It's just business for him too. So I I understand. What a turn up for the books it'll be in a few years' time if O'Hara Davis is in Belfast on the beer with some of the fellas. Imagine that one. Stranger things have happened. How about that? <laughs> exactly. One hundred percent. <laughs> Can I see that happening? N- n- not right now. No, not right now. Have I seen stranger things in boxing happen? Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. We've seen David Hay and Del Boy Chisora team up. And incidentally, I want to say a special shout out and a thank you to Dave Caldwell and uh, Del Boy Chisora, who did me a personal favour during the week. A friend of mine is, um, he's, he's not too well at the moment. And a big special mention and a special shout out and, and and as much love as I can muster, generate, manifest and send all in one heartbeat to Sean Dowling and his family in Mount Melick who who is um he's battling the, the gravest of battles right now. And um thanks to all who, who helped me during the week as I tried to put together a little um video montage and just thank you to everybody that helped and it's it's a it's a stark reminder that yeah, so I don't need to introduce much who will be standing opposite O'Hara on Wednesday night. 
but I will anyways. He came to our attention many, many years ago in a, in a, in a different version of Tyrone McKenna. But this one too, or he could be a champion. And he's got balls. What do you call him? The Murdy Camp. Ah, uh, the mythical Irish warrior. Same one. It's a heartwarming film. I, I, I wouldn't be able to hazard a guess, but the mighty Celt, of course, where the nickname came from. His career path changed a little bit, and maybe the fortunes changed a little bit, probably earning more these days, Tyrone, I'm guessing. <laughs> but uh, he brought those balls, and he brought that love, and he brought all that character, and everything that he showed on the big screen, he brought it to the boxing ring, and he became a champion in Ireland and beyond. And he joined me early last week, early, early late last week, to talk about everything that this fight means, where he's come from, and where he's going to go. The whole concept of that golden contract has been, it's like a big gulp of fresh air for boxing. It, it embraces the elements of the, of the amateur game, that, of the regular fights, and of not knowing who you're going to fight too soon or too far in advance. And it, and it throws it into a pro scene, which probably been hindered a lot by the uncertainty of not knowing if you're going to fight or when or where or who. Keeping fighters busy, it's very much a hallmark of MTK and Jamie and the team. For you, since November 2019, you've known when you're going to fight, roughly who you're going to fight. That must have been a big change and a big help for your career. Yeah, it was, it was unbelievable. Normally, I'd fight. And then afterward, I'd feel buzz and be, be happy. But then I'd be like, fuck, when am I like, going to be fighting? I'd pile on the weight. I wouldn't really go to training because I'd think, fuck, I'm not fighting for another... I don't know, four or five months. But uh but with this, I knew as soon as I, I finished my fight, they told you straight away here the semi finals, don't be fighting this guy and it's gonna be uh in in a couple of months. I mean we knew this whole whole tournament was gonna to be wrapped up in nine months. It was supposed to be at the start. And uh so I knew I'd be fighting straight away and, and it just it just motivates you a lot more and makes things a lot easier for yourself as a boxer. Just to, to know that the, yeah, who you are fighting, you know you're you're not going to be say fighting for a title, and then your next fight's going to be a warm-up fight or, or or keep busy fight. It's going to be a meaningful fight again, and I don't know, just an exciting format as well. You have all these world class. It's it's not the world series is high high level world champions, and then underneath it is our level where people that are knocking on the door for world titles, and uh, it's great. For us to get that kind of exposure and, and platform to, to sell ourselves and, and show the public about us on Sky Sports and everything. So it was brilliant. What does fascinate me and what strikes, it's very striking, is every one of you fellas in those finals has a story, a very unique story. And it hasn't been, there's none, none of you have had anything given in anything. It's, it's been a, a scrap, hasn't it, for everything? At the start of my career, I was on, on the dole. My missus was paying for everything. I had two kids and uh, I was scraping, but I was like, it was at a some fights it was even fighting for free on all the small hold circuits. So um I always say to myself like it's it's insane that I've I've came from, from small halls getting paid fuck all the, the where I am now. Um I wouldn't have imagined it at the start of my career. Um the way things were going. It, it wasn't like we were I was a I was a good amateur but it wasn't standard amateur that got signed by some promoter or, or was getting looked after or anything. I was I was even my first fight, my, my debut was a 50-50 fighter guy that I was brought in to Gabipa. Um So my whole career, I think I've been like kind of an underdog. And and, and until I signed with MTK, that's when my, my career kind of started, started 
snowballing and getting bigger and bigger. So, yeah, it's been tough, tough upbringing of, of a career, but I wouldn't have wanted it any other way with, with stuff that you learn and, and the experience that you have and, and stuff when you aren't getting handed padded records and easy fights. So yeah. you, you've been in tough fights after tough fights. I mean, I'd say my last 15 fights, maybe uh, 15 fights, I'd say uh, 13 of them were hard fights. So I've always had, I've always picked hard opportunities and I've always tested myself and, and I'm ready for, for what the future brings. Something else Tommy is always saying is that, and it makes and it makes anyone that's watched you closely for years is like, oh no, you know, you, you can see a point in the fight when it's going, oh shit, it's coming, it's coming, and it's just like, right, it's like a nice hockey match. He's throwing down. It's like, okay, I've tried all this other stuff. It's here now. Let's go, and you can nearly see it. And that came in the Mahmoud fight as well. How has that been for for Pete? I suppose it's been a huge part. I mean, that anyone that doesn't realize and recognize that, and I noticed it very early in the fight with Mahmoud. The lateral movement, your feint and your movement, it's, yeah. it's like it's like a little part. I once said, should I say the amateur style? You used a lot more of that then, didn't you? Yeah, yeah. Well, well, it's a little bit. Well, it is amateur style. I mean, moving and, and jabbing and working off the jab and stuff. But I mean, I'm six foot one, and I should be boxing the gap more often. Um, I was with Pete Taylor only for eight weeks at camp. I was uh, I just joined him, so we're still getting used to each other. I think a bit. I've now been with him for I don't know nine months or so. Uh, I think you'll see a massive, massive change in, in September. Um, I'm spot unbelievable. He, he's he's really changed the way the way of fighting, the way of boxing, the way of thinking boxing. So, I mean, once you turn amateur to pro, I think a lot of coaches just neglect footwork, like teaching you what you're doing wrong and what way you're punching is wrong and stuff. And uh, you just forget and you start picking up bad habits after bad habits. The longer you are pro. But uh, with Pete, he kind of has that amateur experience where he, where he obviously was on the Olympic team and everything uh, as a coach. So he still has the, the, the fundamentals where you, and he, he brings you back to the fundamentals of, of teaching you to, to use your feet right and, and to punch correctly and stuff. And uh, I think I think I lost a lot of that over the years as a pro. And I'm finally starting to, to, to do it again. And uh, I think it's benefited me big time and I think... You'll see out in September. Pete, of course, knows you from as far back as your amateur days. He he knows yourself, the other, Tyrone McCullough. He knows Tommy. He knows the strengths. But he also knows, most importantly, the weaknesses and the little areas that you would need the most. So is that as well what's feeding into this all-new Tyrone McK- McKenna that we're going to see? Then? And- yeah, well, obviously, Pete knows I love the fate. I love everyone who I think knows that I love the fate. And I wore it out in the, in the ring. Um, but we know that I've got that and we we'll know it's good to know that if it happens, I love doing it, and it's something that I'm comfortable to do. But uh, I mean, he's working on stuff that I'm not so good at that I can I, that I should uh, like boxing, like moving and boxing and jabbing and being slick. Uh, so I can bring Adam to Arsenal and whatever way I need to fight, I can I can put it on on O'Hara Davies, um, whatever's working. So just I just think that he's bringing me back to. He's made me remember th- a lot of things that I, f- I forgot over the years uh, that I was not not paying attention to. And, like leg defense, like my defense was a shambles a year ago because I didn't give a fuck about defense. I just give a, I just really cared about offense and throwing punches, throwing as much punches as I could, and uh, just getting in the wars. But now he's, he's he's brought me back to thinking about where my feet are, what um, the defense, where my hands are, what way to as I said, punch crackly and stuff. So 
He's um, just fine-tuning things that are rather new, but forgot over the years. It's it's not fair to compare because everyone is different and they all have their strengths. You worked with Danny Vaughan for a year or 12, 12 months or so or more, and now you've moved. It's a progression. You feel it's definitely something that was a part of your career as well, that it was time. Yeah, I mean, as an amateur, I didn't get into wars at all. I was uh, an out-and-out boxer, like hands down, moving, uh, throwing, throwing combinations, getting out of the way, not getting hit. So... If you knew me as an amateur, you knew that's the way I boxed. And then you might see me as a pro and go, what's Tyrone doing? He's a maniac. <laughs> the thing with me in boxing and with Danny Vaughan and stuff, I was always wanting to entertain people. Like In boxing, it's all about entertainment. And I always got in a fight and was like, right, if I get in a war here, entertain the crowd, I'll get into a bigger fight. And then I'll get in the bigger fight of entertain again. And that's what I've always done. I said, fuck it. I don't want to bore people. I want to, it's an entertainment business. I'm going to entertain them. And I love entertaining people. But with this competition here, I don't need to. I would do want to entertain still, but I don't need to. It's not the, the biggest thing that I have to do. The biggest thing I have to do is get the win. And that's it. Because the next fight's guaranteed. So the quarters was guaranteed. The semis was guaranteed. Now the final's guaranteed. But I don't have to entertain and get in the war like I usually do because I'm going to be in the same fight the next fight. So uh, I just want to win this competition at the minute. And my whole focus is on win this competition but uh yeah i forget what the question was but i i mentioned the atmosphere in the york hall was was it was a mixture of it was incredible you then have also sampled it where it's the absolute opposite where there's crickets where there's tumbleweed it's going to be in the next time around isn't it yeah see that's that's another thing like see in amateur like uh see club shows in amateur they'll be packed out with everyone local. and uh that's kind of like pro in the york hall where it's packed out and you know everyone and there's a lot of pressure on me. I used to box terrible in, in club shows. But see, when I went down to Little Ireland and the place was empty, there was like 20 people watching. I used to box unbelievable. See, when there's no crowd, I box completely different. And I don't get involved in wars and I don't, I don't fight for the crowd. I fight for the crowd too much yeah. when there is a crowd. And I believe and people leaves that this no crowd is really, really going to benefit us. And I believe so as well because I do get drawn into too much when, when I'm there um, even if you watch me spar I'm a completely different fighter than what I fight so um, I've, I've even starting with the starting with career I, I had a lot of, of fights with, with no fans really there so I am used to it it's not, it's not, it's not going to be different I'm still going to be up for the fight I'm still going to be giving them all so I'm excited and I think it will benefit me and I will stick to the boxing and, and stick them in instructions and tactics that Pete gives me so I think it's a good thing yeah I, I think you're and, on, I think you're to be honest O'Hara Davies got an event bandage because he never has fans in his fights anyway hello yeah he's ne- he doesn't bring crowds at him whereas you you're used to having I didn't have, he, he used to boxing in front of no fans <laughs> He said that whenever we see the tour, that's class. Yeah, as well, as much as it's true, there's, there's the cheeky McKenna coming out now as well, the mighty Kelt coming with his tongue in his cheek. Mm-hmm. Um, a huge addition, as, and I would say now, and, and I, I don't want to understate Pete's importance and Pete's value and, and my my uh, respect for the man, but another massive addition to your team and your backroom team has been your nutritionist. I think I would say your last fight, I've never seen... It, you were as close to uh, to Cucullin or one of those mythical Irish warriors that we've seen. 
is it is it as is it a slog? Is it as difficult and tough as it as I would expect it and think it is? Nah. You know? nah, it's it's gruelingly hard. Like it's as I say, even this, I was worried. See this lockdown. Obviously, I did pain on a bit of weight, and I got the heaviest ever was. And I text my and and you don't get long camps. You got short notice. Like I only got told like seven weeks or eight weeks before my fight. Usually I have twelve weeks to, to get down the weight. And I, I text my nutritionist eight weeks before. I said, "Look, uh, we've two stone more or less to lose." And uh, he he doesn't sweat it. He's an unbelievable nutritionist. He, he has you eaten loads. I can't believe his stuff I'm eating. Stephen Floyd, he's called. If you just need your nutritionist, look him up. But uh, like he has me eating three three meals, full meals a day, and snacks and stuff, and he had me just. Not even losing weight, but feeling great during the training and uh, being able to put maximum effort in the training because I'm well fueled. Normally, I would have got up. I thought you wouldn't have been allowed bread, so I wouldn't even have bread. I, I, like the stuff you're allowed to eat, I didn't think you'd be allowed to eat, and it didn't fuel myself at all. Um, I think when I did bring this nutrition in, I brought this nutrition in after Lewis Benson fit, and that's because. And that camp, uh, I fucked about, I had shit, crashed dieted, and when it came to the fight, I was bollocks before I even went out. I even three days before the, the weigh-in, uh, I was doing pads. I always do pads a couple of days before the weigh-in. I need to be sharp. And after a round, I had to sit down in the canvas and say, look, I can't do it anymore. I'm fucked. Absolutely weight-drained. Uh, can't even remember the weigh-in. And fought Tough head, couldn't move my legs. Came back to Danny Vaughan after the first round and said, Danny, I can't move. I'm going to just have to get in and have a fight. And that's what I did. But uh, after that fight and after that win, uh, seeked out a nutritionist, got right on, on, on camp. And honestly, it's the best money I've ever spent because he has me feeling unbelievable every day. My weight just comes down naturally. I don't have to worry about anything because I know he is in charge of it and he knows what's going to happen and how my weight's looking. So if he's not worried, I'm not worried. And he knows how to refill you straight after uh, you weigh in to be 100% for your fit. His big thing isn't even losing weight for me. It's it's to make you feel good during during training and being able to put everything in the, in the training. But he would text me three or four times a day. So he just texts me every night, to be honest. But... uh. I free for like he's constantly on and then like on to me what about how I feel, what weight is, um, much water I'm drinking, all that shit. So yeah, it's a constant thing for the for the full ten weeks. Um he doesn't get a break. I mean he, he always slags and uh his missus cracks up because I'm I'm before him, before his missus. They're <laughs> <laughs> right, uh having a meal and, and dinner and I text him while I've eaten, he's be on the phone with me. Get this, get this, get this. He used to be a like a nutritionist over in uh, Liverpool in Everton, and he didn't like it as much because footballers could eat burgers all they want, and it didn't matter because it didn't have to weigh in, it didn't have to make weight. He's loving. He probably gets paid less for boxers, but he sees the results of us having to to be disciplined and, and do everything down to the T to get the weight down, and then fight obviously and get refueled and stuff so he gets 
more gratification out of it. So, but he's a, he's a massive. I honestly believe every professional boxer should get a nutritionist. Yeah. Although, at the start, maybe the first 10 fights you don't need one. I mean, it's expensive that you don't need. But uh, once you get into title contention or, 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 or meaningful fights, that's when you start getting a, a nutritionist because it's night and day. Night and day. Like, I don't know if you saw a picture I put up the other week of me two days before again the Lewis Benson fight. And I was not, not a definition of muscle in my body. And then two days before the, the Foley fight, it was absolutely ripped to shreds. That's just down the nutrition because yeah. it was the same same kind of training as them. For anyone that wouldn't have endured or suffered the black bag or, or the weight cut, how bad is it? A stone is what I had Lewis Benson fit a week before, but that was me knowing that I had no uh, no water, no fluid in me. So like I, I, I wasn't, I was just eating eating and drinking like a juice and all. Like so, I had no like normally I have fucking three kilos of water in me. Um, so and a stone leaves, you know, I wouldn't be too bad. But a stone dehydrated. Um, then I knew I was, in, I was in trouble, and I was I was running on the running machine flat out every day with sweatsuit on, um, getting hot baths. I mean, you had to stop halfway up up uh, up the stairs because you thought your heart was going to explode up there and bath or, or torture. So, uh, I mean, I haven't done that in a while, frankly, since I've got nutrition. So, I think that's a hopefully a thing of the past. At times, I think Sky Sports try to compete with the fight card. They're trying to line up better fellas outside the ring than what's in at the times. But uh, yeah, yeah. You, have you watched many of the fights lately? Have you watched some of the fight camps and stuff? Yeah, I've been watching them all. I mean, as you say, there's not much else to do when you're in camp. But uh, yeah, I've been unbelievable fights. I mean, I think every, since the lockdown, or the lockdown's open, sorry, and the fights have started again, there's been a lot better uh, mm. better shows. The shows have been unbelievable. Like, I mean, all three of them, Female fights, like unbelievable. The Tad Cheeseman fight was unreal. Um, I need to pick it wrong, but ninety percent of the fights have been unreal. Because the Brilliant White fight was incredible as well. So I think we've been treated the last few weeks to, to some serious fights. You can't bring in people from Europe or nothing at the minute, so they're getting pushed towards fights that they normally wouldn't have wanted to fight. They, they would have stayed away from them. They got maybe a week back to where they had a decent record. They'd beat him. But now they're getting forced into these domestic fights that they, they, they didn't want or they didn't want to that stage of the career. Uh, they're getting fast right. I mean, we even seen, uh, what do you call him? Ben, oh, Hubeck. Arlen Hubeck. I mean, he was 8 or something. And he was fighting uh, a guy that was 7 or something like that. I mean, so people are stepping up more quick and I think it's because there's not as much shows as well so we're worried if we don't take this opportunity uh, I'll be out for the next seven eight once or, or there might be another lockdown so everything just wants a, wants a fight ASAP and um, we're getting treated we're getting lo- we're loving it You've had the big fights when you, I mean you didn't need to fight Catterall when you did you didn't need to fight certain other lads when you did but you fought them and you took them because that's the way you are and it's in you so this is your time to make hay and, and, and winning. It's going to start by winning the final. I know for a fact I'm winning this final. It's the most meaningful fight that I'll ever have. Um, I think I don't actually think the career will be topped. The career highlight will ever be topped with this fight because this will be the moment that my career does change in a big way. Um, but, I mean, after this fight, I'm going to be looking for world titles. I, I believe that... Uh, the winner of the the golden contract will be will be knocking on a, on a world, world 
potatoes straight away. So there's plenty of big fights. Often. I can't not have a word for for your great pal, your housemate, and he and he's he's a, he's you half expect him to be knocking around in the background. He's not there this time. Tyrone McCullough, we're talking about. Um, with you reaching the final, having come through a tough fight and all that went with it, what was it like afterwards? In in the immediate aftermath, was it tricky? Was yeah, well, there must be a lot of emotions thrown into one, is it? It is. You don't want to be gloating in front of him. No, I'm in the final, and obviously his heart broken. He's in the photograph. Oh. So uh, it was. It was a, and he did also didn't want to look too fucking depressed for me because he didn't want to spoil my day. So it was a bit of a weird, weird cut because we obviously did celebrate it for the next few days or commiserate, and uh, it was a weird few days. I mean, and then he did go into in the house and he didn't hear from him for the next ten days. He didn't answer the phone and stuff. So he was mm. he's in a different completely, completely different place to me and. It's never good when when your friend does get beat and you do win and there's all this happening for you and, and he sent me left to the the curb. But um he just hasn't like I mean it's happened to me before he beat Johan for the Celtic title and I got beat by Jack Carroll and I know what it's like and know how I felt, but you still are happy for your friend and I'm sure he was still delighted for me and I was still heartbroken for him, but he'll pick it he'll pick himself up. He does stuff, and and I mean he's he's going back down to his original weight, super bantam weight. So I think Ooh. he knows that he, he took a big chance at moving up a weight, and we've, we're world level fighters, and it didn't pay off. But he gained a lot of experience, and and it was a great fight. And he, he knows what he he knows what he has to go back and work on, and what he has to fix and and stuff like that. So it was a lot of learning for him, but I believe he'll, he'll come back. Fighters deal with losses and deal with stuff in their own way all the time. And is it a case of them go through that and making sure every now and then he's okay? Yeah, like, like, I mean, obviously, I texted him every day. I don't think I got, don't think I got much text back. But no, a lot of people didn't. A lot of people were texting me saying, is he all right and stuff. But you just have to let people do their own process. I mean, I was a complete opposite when I got beat by Jack Carroll. I mean, I was out every day. And it, uh, like, I, I was like water off the duck's back for me. So, But he took it hard. I mean, I think. Because it was a competition as well. It wasn't just a fight. And he goes, right, I got beat by a world-level fighter and does himself off. I'm off, off to something else. He's, he was in a competition where it, where it was life-changing. And he got beat. And he didn't really know what to do after that. Mm-hmm. But, um, but yeah, I think I, I was a, a big thing as well because it was a competition. Um, and then he's seen, obviously, that I had won. And stuff, and I, I, I'm sure it did annoy him. <laughs> Not annoy him, but it, it made it a little bit harder. And, um, yeah, I mean, because we're known, we're always known the other the Tyrone's, the Tyrone's, uh, doing everything they are, and then one gets beat, one wins. So, was probably annoying, but like, probably a weird thing. Your next fight, next time, so what am I trying to say? All your next fight is always your biggest fight, take over. So, are we I'm going Serious, serious person. There's Trump calling. There's any of my friends. To be honest, I don't like people that take things too serious. Mm. Um, at the end of the day, I'm going in the fight. It doesn't matter who I'm going in the fight. I'm going in the fight, and I take it all the same. I mean, a fight's a fight. At the end of the day, um, I enjoy myself. I enjoy messing about and, and doing all them stupid. You don't take I mean, yourself. You don't take yourself too seriously. Yeah, if Trump was here for this camp, would have probably done done loads of stupid things the camera again but he wasn't here so it's been a bit boring but 
No, I think like I like that kind of stuff because it does take your mind off boxing and and you don't want to be taught, thinking about boxing all all twenty four seven. So it is good to to go out and do stupid things and, and make people laugh. Uh, that's at the end of the day, I love doing. It. I make love making a fool of myself and 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 making people laugh. So um, no, that'll always continue. No matter what phenomenon, world title, anything, I'm gonna be a clown. Anybody that believes that man is going to be a clown or treated like a clown, he may act it to break the monotony in between. But you think he'll be the clown? Well, then I suggest it ain't he who is. Running a little bit tighter for time now than I'd planned. We've had Dennis Hogan, we've had Ollie Toy, we've had who knows and everybody else on the phone and all, all sorts going on. But we're there almost. I'm going to leave the closing word to Stephen Morton, who has watched Tyrone progress from Irish champion all the way through the early stages of a pro career and now to the brink um, I don't know like it's obviously a fight has built up for, for a couple of years I know Tyrone McKenna has been always very vocal um, and saying they wanted a fight with Harry Davis um, I don't know if I could go along the lines of a fight of the year um, Harry Davis at times you know the Joyce Taylor fight the Jack Carroll fight just didn't show up you know particularly in the, in the the Carroll fight, he, he hardly threw a punch. So, Trum McKenna's got height over him as well. And, mm. um, I think if Trum McKenna, the good thing for Trum McKenna, there's no crowd there. So, he's not going to be geared into a war. Um, he's, at, he's at another camp under Pete Taylor. Um, I would like to see, I think Trum could actually stop O'Hara. Um you know, and I'm I'm looking this back at the Miguel Val, Val, Vasquez fight that O'Hara had last year, he had broken ribs, um, been hurt by a body punch. Um, Tyrone likes to hit to the body. He does. Um, and and you've seen in the Vasquez fight, O'Hara's. You know, both fighters obviously should have been should have been beat at stages. You know, in the last couple of years, probably arguably on points or decisions. Um, but O'Hara was very badly hurt and, and struggled to fight. And I think if 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 Tyrone was to get into the body early on and and do a bit of damage to the body, I, th- I think he could stop. I, th- I think with 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 O'Hara, I can only only ever rem- remember him having a right hand. You know, so if a fight's up close, you know, it's in the trenches. There's only one winner, and it's and it's Tyrone. You know, um, O'Hara just. I think O'Hara's something. If you if you put it on him, you know, you probably. You look back to the Fury Wilder fight, you know, mm. Wilder only had a big right hand. Once Fury went into him and, and sort of went into t- took that right hand away from him, there was nothing there. You know, and it's probably wrong to think of, of Tyrone McKenna thinking he's Tyson Fury and and he can just walk him down and, and play with him. But it's coming up three years um since Belfast obviously last seen a seen a world champion in the ring and Ryan Burnett's unification against Zane Agoff. Um and hopefully it's not too long before we see another one and thank you Stephen hard to believe isn't it three years thanks also to Eamon Roy Odie Tyrone and you most importantly for listening and will you give it a share for me if you can and if you really want to push it and help me out a review give a keep an eye out on the streets today if you're out and around Belfast see the lads from the Violent Gentleman Brand Tommy Ross Tenny and Potty 
Lewis, all the lads are out getting the photos done, making themselves look beautiful and getting that brand ready for launch. Incredible stuff. Belfast's very own boxing leisure range will be launching, I believe, I believe, on October 1st. Violent gentlemen. That's about it from me and them until then. The, the excitement is palpable. The tension is building. Tonight it's all about Tyrone McKenna, the mighty Celt, versus O'Hara Davis, Big Stevie Ward, Wakefield Studios on Sky Sports. This episode I want to dedicate to Sean Dowling. My thoughts, prayers, my everything with you guys over the next couple of hours. That's it for me and them until then. Thank you for listening. Four episodes, seven days. It's been a grind. It's been brilliant. Definitely do an episode over the next few days looking ahead to Niall Kennedy's fight at the weekend. Looking back at what goes on tonight. But until then, stay safe, stay sane, smile. All's about the end, though.